Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Well, hello. I hope you're having a great day. We are back and ready to continue what I'm calling our hiring series part two. So if you missed it, um, I don't even know when this was. All the, all the time kind of just blurs together at this point. But sometime last year, I think I did a hiring series part one where I did, like deep dove into AB5, talked about hiring contractors, all those sorts of things. And now we are continuing on that journey. So if you missed last week's episode, I talked about contractor laws state by state. You might want to check that out if it's of interest to you. This week, I'm going to share a case study on my own hiring process from a recent hire that I did in my own business. And then next week, I'm going to be interviewing my friend Kira, who is an HR consultant and expert on team building and all things like hiring employees. So this week, we're talking about contractors. Next week, more on employees. I hope that you enjoy this little mini series that we're doing. Also, um, we opened the doors just a couple of weeks ago to our Profit RX content only subscription. That's what I'm calling it right now. Uh, it's a $30 a month uh, membership, and it includes all of my pretty much all my programs, all my courses. It's really a pretty wild deal. And my goal is to grow it as much as we can this month. So I hope that you've checked it out. If you're interested, we'll put the link in the show notes, but you can also access that. Um, there should be all sorts of all sorts of buttons and alarms taking you there from my homepage. Okay, so I will be reading you. Um, I'll be like reading and skimming a section from our Profit RX textbook, uh, which is what I've been doing in a lot of our re- episodes recently. So you can get a little bit of a sample of what's in the program. Of course, if you join the program, you're going to get all in order. That makes a lot of difference. But here I give you excerpts that are still going to be helpful to you. So this is module seven, lesson five on contractor onboarding. Now in module nine, I did give a full lesson on building your team. That's more of like a systems lesson. Uh, In that like module, we did talk more about who you should hire and when. So that's not really going to be the focus of this episode. Instead, I'm talking about how to onboard contractors. And specifically, we're going to get into my case study, but we have some intro material before that. So this uh, heading is types of contractors. I recently got into a bit of a squabble with some photographers in a Facebook group about 1099 rules, just another typical day for me. An interior designer hired a photographer to get images of some of her work. Presumably, the designer wanted the photos for their website, social, etc. The photographer asked in the Facebook group why this designer wanted to send her a 1099. Somewhat to my surprise, the majority of photographers were telling this person they should not get a 1099, not because of the actual reasons that would make sense, like type of payment, the $600 threshold, or S-corporation status, They were saying she shouldn't get a 1099 because she was a contractor. She was hired as a business to provide a service. Or rather, she shouldn't get one, not because she was a contractor, but because she uh, was hired to provide a service. And my thought was, okay, well, what the fuck does that mean? 
I kind of get it because I make this differentiation myself when discussing contractors or contracts. Although their unshakable confidence in providing incorrect information seemed a bit baffling, I understood where they were coming from. When I hire my friend Crystal, for example, to take all the beautiful photos uh, that you see on my website, I am hiring her business. She is a brand photographer. She sends me her contract and I pay her invoice. This makes sense. I probably wouldn't refer to Crystal as like, quote, one of my contractors. But for tax purposes, she is a contractor. It's a contract labor expense in my bookkeeping and on my tax return. I could probably also call the fee I pay Crystal a marketing expense. Either way, she's a person who is not an employee to whom I am paying to do work for my business. I may owe her a 1099 based on other factors. On the flip side, I work with a few different contractors in my business on a regular basis. We have a community manager, a marketing manager, a copywriter, and a tech VA. Each of these individuals have their own businesses. They also work for me on a weekly basis. In those photographers' minds, these individuals would be contractors, and Crystal, my brand photographer, would not. And I get that this may sound like semantics, but it does matter. And the differentiation, like I said, does actually matter. Someone like Crystal I'll refer to as a project-based contractor, while I'll refer to others as ongoing contractors. These are just my words. Typically, a project-based contractor will have their own process. They should have a contract for you to sign. Also, we look back at our classification rules. We can see the project-based contractors typically aren't a problem for purposes of independent contractor law. Things get a bit dicey when it comes to ongoing contractors. It's more likely they may fail some parts of the ABC test or its many exceptions if you're applying that rule. For this reason, we need to be more diligent when assessing contractor status for these roles. Also, it's more likely we would want to provide ongoing contractors our own independent contractor agreement and run them through a more formalized onboarding process, I should say, if we are able to do that. You can assume the rest of this lesson pertains more to ongoing contractors rather than project-based ones. So now we get into my hiring case study. So I regularly get asked about my hiring process and how I find people. I'm not claiming to be the best boss out there or to have the code totally cracked, but I found despite my own insecurities, I can be pretty good at this stuff. So I'm sharing my process for you here. I'm regularly chatting with friends who seem to have a revolving door of contractors in their business. I don't really understand that. I have hired four contractors in my business. At the time of writing this, they're each still working with me, two going on two years, one for over a year, and the other was a very recent hire. To be honest, I think my flexibility, trust, and systems are what helps me have a consistent team. Ultimately, I think many business owners could be way less uptight, if we're being honest, um, but that's a combo for another day. Here, I'm sharing the process I went through to hire my current copywriter. I posted a job opportunity in a popular Facebook group called Virtual Assistant Savvies. Here's a screenshot of the post. I'll read it to you in a moment. Um, I edited it when I was done taking applications. So this is after I edited it. It said, update, this is closed for now. Um, I sent a test project to a handful of fabulous candidates. And here was the original post. So it said job, job ops, so job opportunity copywriting. I need an hourly VA who is a very strong copywriter. This requires someone who can be witty, engaging, and funny. Um, I said, use strong grammar skills 
and away with gifts and memes is a bonus. Yes, that was a typo. So illustrating my need for a good copywriter, clearly. I'm a business and tax attorney, and the best compliment is when people tell me my emails are both a joy to read and they can actually understand them. I serve mostly wedding professionals and other creatives and service providers. So um, primarily millennial and Gen X women is my audience. The primary task would be writing regular email newsletters and membership and course launch emails. If you think you'd be a good fit, please DM me a writing sample, preferably one that's representative of the work I would need. The post I thought was pretty clear. I received about 15 DMs. A few did not provide me with any writing sample. They were immediately off the list. Directions are important. I chose five candidates based on the work samples and asked if they'd complete a test project for me. I also asked each person for their hourly rate and let them know they'd be paid for the project regardless of whether they were hired. Here's a screenshot of my conversation with one applicant. This I'm not going to read um, to you because I think that'd be a little bit dull, but essentially this was the individual I ended up hiring and just kind of our back and forth giving uh, her the information on the project. So I sent over a Google Doc with all the information and that I am going to read parts of it too. So this is the Google Doc that I sent to everyone that was applying for the position. It says, hi friend. So this is pretty simple. I'd like some test emails for an upcoming challenge I'm working on. It's called the tax season playbook about the program. It'll be a new version of this challenge. And I hyperlinked to a previous sales page I've run in the past. Here's a peek at the branding for it. Um, we're leaning into the coaching and playbook metaphors. I share the logo. A brief outline of the program. I won't read that to you. You've heard me talk about it. <laughs> From there, uh, okay. So I talk about how after the tax season playbook, I will be encouraging and inviting people to join my membership, Profit RX, and I give all the pricing details and all that sort of stuff. So general information. I'll be using these emails as part of the mini promotions and potentially in a nurture sequence in future promotions. I sometimes enjoy writing copy. It can be fun, but as an ADHD entrepreneur, my brain works faster than my hands. It's common for my writing to be littered with errors and I'm a terrible speller. This is just, you know, the truth here. I find my strong suit is in writing shorter, punchier emails. Sometimes I lose my way with longer form conversion style copy. My goal is to find someone who loves writing copy who can also balance my weaknesses. Um, and then I say, also, before you get started, it's very important that we align on core values. And I share like my core value statement. Um, okay. So now on, oh, so a little bit more on the core value statement. This is pretty important to me. I basically talk about um, like LGBTQ plus rights, um, Black Lives Matter, a, a lot of the, um, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of issues where if someone was like vocally opposed to these particular core values, I would not want them working in my business. So hiring, like hiring and firing based on specific things can be a little bit difficult. But if you're basically saying like, this is where I stand and we're probably not gonna get along if you don't agree on these points, then they're probably not gonna apply in the first place if they don't agree with you. So just something to keep in mind, okay? I've talked about core values on the podcast in the past and how important they can be. Um, I mentioned in here, like I actually mentioned in my um, core value statement that no one needs to identify as a Democrat <laughs> like to, to work in my business. 
but if we don't like if you're not comfortable with the fact that i'm probably going to speak out on like a pro-choice matter if it goes to the supreme court on my instagram stories and that's going to make you uncomfortable then probably not going to be a good fit okay so now the google doc says on to the nitty-gritty i plan to pay you via paypal for this project this is for the test project that i'm sending to everyone so please provide me with your PayPal email. Take up to 30 minutes to scan to view this document, including the sample emails below. Then in a separate Google document, please write up to three promotional emails for the tax playbook or write 60 minutes worth of work, whichever comes first. Don't spend three hours on this project and invoice me for one hour. I want a realistic representation of what you can accomplish in that hour. If one email takes one hour, that's totally fine. If it's a if it's the best damn email of the bunch. Also, by completing this project, you're consenting to the fact that I will potentially use your emails in my promotion. So I'm paying them, they're giving me emails, I might actually use them, right? Also, longer isn't always better. A mixture of short, short and succinct and longer and story-like emails are great. Once you're done, please message me the Google Doc link to your emails along with your PayPal email address and your final time count. I'll get you paid within 24 hours and I'll keep you posted on the next steps. Note that your time should not exceed an hour and a half, like I mentioned, 30 minutes of review and prep and 60 minutes of writing. So after this general info section, I shared a collection of previous launch emails for them to look at and get a sense of my brand voice. You'll notice there were a few important things I wanted to communicate in this test project. So one was information about the program for which they were writing these test emails for. Number two was core values, something I always recommend sharing. This helps you weed out anyone who would not be a good fit in your business. And number three, clear expectations. I want to be clear about how long they should spend on the emails in order to A, test how well they take direction and B, get a sense of what these individuals could accomplish within the given time frame compared to the quality of their work and their hourly rate. Each candidate sent back their emails within 24 to 48 hours. I then shared the emails with my business mastermind to discuss. I had them try to match the emails to the candidates hourly rates, which was a fun experiment. So this is actually really fun. I, like I mentioned, I sent all of the test emails I received from these five different candidates to a group of my business friends, my mastermind group. And I told them it was kind of like a matching exercise. I told them what their hourly rates were. So two people had rates of $20 an hour. One was at $50 an hour and one was at $75 an hour. And in the profit RX textbook, I actually share a hyperlink to these emails. Um, so it wasn't too surprising. It was maybe like a little bit surprising, but my mastermind group was able to perfectly match the hourly rates to the test emails. Um, I actually found this really reassuring myself because it showed me that each candidate was doing a pretty good job of pricing themselves in the market based on the quality of their work. And this isn't to say that someone that has a lower hourly rate has like they're always going to have bad quality or they're not like good writers. It just means that they maybe haven't gotten enough practice. Right. So, um, that's just how, you know, that's, that's capitalism. That's, cap that's capitalism, right? You need to be able to charge according to the value that you provide. And this is when I went on like some tangents about this on Instagram, about how I get a little up in arms when business coaches are just telling everyone to raise their prices, like kind of willy, willy nilly, because, they need to value themselves. And this is why I always tell people like, you are inherently priceless, obviously, like we are all unique and awesome individuals, but we can't tie our self-worth 
to our rates because unless you have a lot of training, you have like a degree in whatever it is that you're providing, you probably are going to need to start at a certain level and then increase your level and your services as you grow and let your rates increase with that. It's, I think it's perfectly okay. This is like, um, sorry, another tangent I shared on Facebook a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago about this videographer that was sued and went on judge duty. And essentially the summary of that case was judge Judy was like, I don't think the quality of this video is very good, but plaintiff only paid you $250. They don't get their money back now. Like you delivered the video. It was fine. And I really like this kind of message because if all of us waited until we were like phenomenal at whatever we wanted to do before we started our businesses, then a lot of us would just never start our businesses. So you just start. And as long as you're transparent with what your experience is and the people that you're hiring see a sample of your work and they know what they're paying for, then you should feel perfectly comfortable providing that service. You do the best that you can and you give them a great product for the price point that they've paid you. And then uh, again, as you increase your level of service, you can increase your price. So Tangent over. Okay. So once you find the right person for the job, there's three key steps and considerations. First, you need to decide how much, how often, and how you will pay this person. Second, you need to get a contract signed. And third, you need to properly train your new hire. I'll expand on one and two here. So payment. I'm not here to tell you how much to pay your contractors. They should dictate their own rates. You should then determine whether you reasonably can or want to pay that rate. Recall a good faith negotiation of rates is a requirement under the AB5 business to business exception. Your contractor may also have a preferred method of payment. It's convenient for them to collect all client payments in the same manner. However, it's convenient for us business owners to pay each of our contractors using the same method. Discuss this with the contractor. They may use a CRM. That's great. PayPal also works well. I don't, however, recommend Venmo or similar payment apps. Things just get really sticky around tax time with 1099s, particularly if you're using the same account for both personal and business purposes. That's just a no. I use Gusto for my contractor payments as well as payroll. They make it super easy. And then I go through like a little bit of a, a tutorial on how to set up Gusto contractor payments if you wanted to do that. Contract. As noted earlier, when you hire an ongoing contractor, it may make the most sense to have them sign your contractor agreement. Uh, we have a template for that in the contract vault, of course. Specifically, make sure to check your state's contractor laws. Ask yourself if there are certain terms you can use to address requirements under the state law. For example, you can specify that the contractor is responsible for using their own tools, computer, etc. That one is kind of tricky because, you know, we talked about um, tools and equipment as something that contractors typically need to provide themselves under most contractor laws. And again, we have a contract in the contract vault. All members of ProfitRx have access to the contract vault, and you can also buy that separately for $30. So that's all I had in this lesson of the textbook. I hope you, I hope you found this helpful. There are a lot of different ways that you can find contractors, a lot of different ways you can hire contractors. Um, but my hiring process went really well when I hired my copywriter. So I thought I would just share that story. I also just last week, so definitely after I wrote this lesson, um, hired another, another contractor, but this one was a pretty easy hire because I wanted to hire someone to hope with help with social sales. 
to basically help me selling in the DMs. What we're doing now is this individual is DMing anyone that joins the Braden's Besties Facebook group. So go join if you're not a member. And when you join, we have you share with us a legal or tax question you have. So you might say, hey, Braden, excited to join the group. I'm really confused on how to figure out what the contractor laws in my state are. And then Connie, um, my new contractor, would approve them for the group and she would DM them and say, Hey, I saw your question. Um, Braden actually talked about this on podcast episode 218. If you want to learn more, here's a link, go check it out. And then if they have more questions, she would have a dialogue with them. So Connie, who's in this role has been a profit RX member. And she went through unfuck your biz when I had that program, she's been in profit RX since it started. And she also already has her own VA business among a couple other businesses. She's formed like four or five LLCs at this point for her various businesses. So I thought, you know what, Connie will be a great fit for this role because she's gone through all of pretty much all my programs. She knows what there's what they're about. On top of that, she can answer a lot of questions about stuff that I actually teach. So I just reached out to her individually and said, Hey, I think you'd be a great fit for this role. Would you like to do it? And we hopped on a Zoom call. So sometimes you'll know the person that you want to hire. Other times you might not know anyone. You might go look for a referral. You might reach out to me and ask me if I know anyone. Um, But other times, if you are trying to hire someone totally on your own, then I think the test projects are a really, really good idea. So that's all for this episode. Again, go check out Profit RX. Would love to see you in there. If you have any questions, let us know in the Facebook group. Thanks for listening. And I will be back in your podcast app next week. Have a good one. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.